Hey there! The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app, and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. Hi, yes, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be here with our cast from the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This week's cast includes Darren Tipton from Project Humanity, who they're doing incredible work in Africa. Mark Black from markblack.co, helping people thrive. And Vicki Abadesco from Soul Shop, building empathy every day. And you can learn all about them and, and our entire brilliant cast at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Now, this week's show, we're going to talk about difficulties and whether there are friends or our foes. And this really got inspired as I was reading a certain book and, and I was reading this section. So I'm going to take the quote that inspired this. And the book is The Great Work of Your Life. With If you listen to the show, you've heard me mention it before. But this is a different piece of the book we're going to discuss today. It's written by Stephen Cope. Here is the quote. When difficulties arise, give yourself to them. See them as dharma. Go into the heart of the difficulty, experience it, investigate it, take yourself into the center of the conflict, learn to tolerate its discomfort without acting or reacting. And what do you find at the heart of fear, dread, loathing, anger, and hatred? You find a surprise. You find a gift. Vicki, we're going to start with you. How does someone take themselves directly into the heart of the conflict like that quote from the book speaks of? I love that quote. For me, I think there's an element of slowing down, right? So we're so used to moving so quickly, so fast in our world. We have a conflict that shows up and then something gets triggered inside of us, right? So our mind goes somewhere. We have feelings that rise up. Our body might have all these crazy reactions. And then how do we kind of create a slow motion that happens within us, in our body, in our heart, in our mind, in our entire being to slow it down enough to get super curious, right? And to get to that place where we're so curious about, wow, what is this thing that I'm feeling that is getting me so fired up in this moment? Mm -hmm. And I think the beautiful thing about that is when we slow down enough, then there's so much more understanding for that thing that we were just triggered by. Because then I think there's some learning about, is it about the thing that just happened or is it really something more deeper that we can look at that could be an incredible gift to learning about ourselves and also an incredible gift in how we relate and connect to other people. And so what specifically would you say is, is the key in that moment, the difficulties in front of us? How do we take the first step? 
I think the first step is stop, breathe, and slow down. So instead of just reacting, like so someone says something, something happens, and we ha- we're so reactionary. So how can we stop ourselves in that moment instead of opening our mouths to say something that wants to come flying out or, again, behaving in a way that is just a knee-jerk reaction? So I would say the first step is just take a moment and stop. Stop, breathe, and just notice, wow, what is it that I'm wanting to react to? Do I feel defensive? Am I angry? Do I want to cuss the person out? Do I, do I feel hurt? And now I want it. Like, what is really happening? And notice yourself. What are you learning about yourself in that moment you can just slow down? Like, wow, notice my anger right now. Notice my sadness, my disappointment, my confusion. And what can you learn about those feelings as they show up in that moment? So, Vicki, I love what you said there because... What I work on is teaching people this thing called the resilience roadmap, which is my method of explaining what you're talking about, which is how do we go through a difficult challenge? And the first step is to is to acknowledge it, right? Is to just say, there it is, and then to accept it, to say, I acknowledge what's happening. In other words, I don't go into denial and wish it away or or into frustration and anger, which is sort of, I think, the instinct of most people, but instead to say, okay, this is what it is, and let me accept what is and what I can't control about this so that I can then move forward. And it's certainly not easy uh, to do, and I think maybe not the natural instinct for us to do, but it can become the natural instinct if we practice it over time. How do you accept versus let go? Like, I know a lot of people say, notice what you're feeling, and then the mind wants to do this. Okay, let it go. Let it go. You acknowledged it. You're angry. Let the anger go. But it doesn't It doesn't work. That's not leaning in. That's actually sort of acknowledging it and then numbing yourself from reality. Uh, so how do you accept and lean in and where it's appropriate or and not to lean in where it's not appropriate? So you're not adding drama where it doesn't need to be, but letting yourself feel real emotion in a healthy way that lets it go through you. How do you have that fine balance? How do you get there? And maybe that's where you were going, Darren. And I noticed you were jumping in there too. So no, and to Mark's point and to answer your question, I think there are times, there are some words that are hard to accept. Divorce, death, cancer, you can think of a number of things. There's some circumstances that are difficult to own. And I think, I mean, all of us who hasn't heard something so overwhelming, their first reaction is, oh my gosh, I can't believe, or, you know, I wish this wasn't happening. And it is a discipline, I think, to live in this idea of, I want to sit with this. You know, I don't know that we have to say we want to be friends with it necessarily, but to experience or investigate it, I have to first claim it. I have to name what it is, whatever it is. And I like what Mark said, you know, you have to identify it. You have to create some relationship with it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's kind of like reaction time. There's always Mm. some lag between events and acknowledgement or acceptance, whatever we want to call that. And, And my goal personally, and with the people I work with is to just to shorten that time as much as possible so that it's, you know, maybe it starts out being weeks. And we can get it down to days and then eventually to hours and maybe eventually to, to seconds where we just, you know, we instantly can flick the switch and say, my natural gut instinct is to get angry or frustrated or whatever that instinct is. But I'm going to I'm going to control that and work on acknowledging and accepting the moment that I'm in. So at the moment that you're at that, let's go there. You you're acknowledging that I feel hurt. Let's just say that's the feeling. I'm going to acknowledge that I can feel hurt. And then. I think, Vicki, you had brought up, what is the next step? And I think, Mark, you brought that too, right? What can I control? What can I not control? Mm -hmm. 
in moving forward. I feel hurt. What if I'm not sure what I should do is the next step and I feel lost? And that often is associated with a lot of these feelings when somebody hasn't been in a place of mindfulness before or done this before. They say, okay, I all right, I get it now. I am acknowledging I feel hurt, I feel disappointed, and lost. So how do yeah. I, where do I go? Yeah, I think this is great because, you know, so the work we do in Soul Shabbat is like we work with, you know, tens of thousands of elementary kids and we teach them to stop and breathe. And so in schools with our little kids, they have all of these different tools that teachers, principals use. So to kind of get kids to stop doing a certain behavior. And sometimes it's a timeout. Sometimes they bench them on the playground. Um, and a lot of them are actually looked at punishment, right? It's like, oh, you're not playing well with the group. So you go hang out over here by yourself and think about what you did, mm -hmm. right? And so it's more of a punishment. And so one of the ways that when we work with kids and with schools, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's having the kids have an understanding and, again, a responsibility for their feelings. And none of us, most of us, don't grow up with a frame or language about what to say when something like that happens, right? It's like, oh, all I know is my body gets really hot and then my fist goes out and connects with another little kid. That's what happens mm -hmm. and that's all I know. And so when we talk about building empathy, it's, yes, building empathy for other people. But in this scenario, it's like, how do we build empathy for ourselves? Mm -hmm. So when we have a feeling, like, how can we even treat the little kid in us with empathy, with compassion, with understanding, to get really close, to, to hold it, to cuddle it, to get curious, to ask questions? And how can I say to myself, okay, little Vicky, why am I really, why are you so angry right now? And usually the part of me that's like, yeah, because this feeling of disappointment is the same disappointment I had when I was five years old when this thing happened to me. And we can make those connections, right? And so even with kids, they make that connection. Well, I like exactly what you're saying, Vicky, about the sitting with it. And the, what I like to remind people of too is we're not responsible for our feeling that we feel what we feel. And it's a reactionary thing that happens, it wells up inside of us and it's there. And so the, to acknowledge and accept it is to say, this is how I've reacted. And what we're responsible for, of course, is how we choose to react to that feeling. What does that feeling make us do? And that's, you know, we're responsible for how we act and how we behave based on those feelings. But to give yourself permission to feel however you feel and to say that that's okay is something I think we all need to be reminded of. I just recently had this happen. I was playing. It's a, it's a weird story, but I, I play volleyball. Uh, Karen and I play volleyball and we're at this match and we're playing this team and the first game gets done and we go over to the water and both teams are there. And a player from the other team switches to me and goes, uh, you know, you injured our player last week. And I was dumbfounded. I was like, uh, mm. what? I, I don't think we even played you last week. She goes, yeah, you played us. It's just half of our team's difference. So you're not recognizing, but yeah, he's on crutches because of you. And I was like, oh my gosh, uh, what, what happened? I don't recall this. And well, you took, you went under the net and you know, like you took him out and I'm like, oh my, this does not sound familiar at all. And I started to feel awful. And I'm like, I don't, I don't remember. Wait, did he land on my ankle? Like I remember somebody landing on my ankle. Yeah, but you went under the net. That's why he landed on your ankle. So we, you know, mm -hmm. we, he was on purpose. And I was like, oh my gosh, no. And she's like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But yeah, he is on crutches because of you. 
And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so, so it didn't end. It went back on the court three more times in the next game. She brings up, does she feel safe next to me? Am I going to hurt someone on their, on their team? Mm. All sarcastic little jokes, right? But, but not funny. Right. So she's sitting oh. there going, the guy is sitting right there in crutches. So for me, that's not funny. He's actually hurt. And then when we're walking out, she throws another comment. Well, you didn't kill any of our players today. And I was like, why is this bothering me so much? Cause it really, it was in my head and my team's like, first of all, Mike, it's, it's not inappropriate what's happening. That's why it's in your head, but she is in your head. You know, that type of thing. she's in your head. <laughs> and so the next day I was at the trainer and talking this out when I was working out and he's like, Mike, that was just somebody being mean to you. That, that's literally somebody being mean to you is what was happening to you. And he, he didn't say it that nicely, but <laughs> that was the theory <laughs> of what he was saying. And I had to pause and go, you know what? I don't do well when I'm around toxic. I get toxic too. And I wish last night I had recognized I teach boundaries and I did not establish boundaries with that person. I should have just taken a breath and recognized why this was bothering me and talked to the person and said, are you joking or are you not joking? Because if you're joking, it's not funny because he is hurting those crutches and I can see that happen from landing on my foot, which is accidental, but I don't find that humorous that he's hurt. If you're not joking, then please don't say you're not joking. At least then I know you're serious. Like, which is this? <laughs> but but create mm. boundaries and I didn't do it. And it was a good lesson of, man, even adults, we can be bullied on the playground. Well, Lisa, it's, it's a great example about responsibility. Right. And, and I think the place, too, that, you know, I was speaking about, about being curious. Right. So you are curious enough to figure out what do you own and what are you responsible in that situation? But also, you know, seeing her and however, you know, her comments and how she was communicating with with you. Right. It's like she's got her own story that who knows whatever her story is. And you are responsible for your feelings, your own reactions as well as being thoughtful, caring about the person that was hurt and injured, right? And so it's like how I think I loved what you were asking me for, Mike, about, oh, you know, where is the level of our own responsibility to be able to own what we have and not gloss over something in ways that like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling this way, but I'm just going to get over it, or right? It's like there's a feeling that was nudging you in that moment right? You were bugged by it. Yes. And to stay curious and to stay with that when it's super uncomfortable, right? And then to find like, ah, right, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, oh, I need boundaries, right? But you have to stay with it long enough to get to that. And I think that's the piece that most people, we're not trained to do that. And it takes something to stay with it. And not only that, but everybody tells you not to stay with it, right? Everyone around you says, get over it, it. let it go. Don't let her get to you. No, that kind of a thing. And that's when I realized is I'm not wired that way anymore. Like, I think I could have done that years ago. But I think because of the work in trying to be aware and once you get to that place, it's like, you can't just shut it off now of where you feel and you know you can't do mm-hmm. that and so it's this fine line of okay i can't just let it go i have to lean into this but also don't want it to can get too much like right you don't want to add drama that's not necessary there and that's that balance so how do you lean in and experience and i think what you said there was so important vicky is you got to keep digging till you figure it out right once you figure it out there's a release Right. And what was great is it turned into a story that I shared with fourth and fifth graders the next day because they were talking about personal boundaries. And I talk about consent and they said, I don't like when people get my personal boundaries. And I said, can some people, times people do that with words? And they said, yes. And I shared my story on the volleyball. They could all relate to it. They're like, oh, that's like the playground. 
You know, like they, like they totally got it. But mm-hmm. you, it goes back to what you just said. This was an experience that probably would have bothered me as a six-year-old, and it's going to bother me as a forty-seven-year-old. Uh, but I got to figure it out so I can, so I can have that release versus let it go. Well, and to understand how much of it, as you said, how much of it you own and how much of it is on the other person, right? To be able to say clearly that reaction, the, the behavior she was exhibiting, was not about your behavior, which initially. Your reaction was, what did I do wrong? As opposed to instantly going to, it's your fault, which is, again, the place that a lot of people will jump to, defensiveness. But you thought you were, you were honestly trying to say, well, geez, what did I, where did I mess up there? And, and so it's also important for you to be able to get to a place of going, well, maybe this isn't on me. Maybe this is, you know, maybe this is on her and she's had a bad day or who knows what's going on in her backstory that's causing her to behave this way. But ultimately, it isn't about, you know, me going under the net at all. That was the two sides to this, was that I did end up going to the guy who was injured on crutches and say, I heard that happen last week. Did, did that happen when you landed on my foot? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh man, that's, that's, you know, that sucks. I'm, I'm sorry that happened. And he's like, no, no, that these things happen, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, he got the way I thought, which is, Hey, we're playing, but nobody would try to hurt someone. But then I had to be honest with myself that didn't totally release it because the other side of this human element that I think plays in, in these moments when it's one-on-one conflict is why does that person not like me so much? Like what, what, mm-hmm. what is going on here that there's like a hatred towards me being spewed through these sarcastic jokes? Like, why is that happening? So you're able to let go of the responsibility. Now, why is this attitude being spewed at me? Uh, and so there's another place of responsibility, which isn't there, but you start to question, should I be responsible for that? And it makes it interesting. Thinking back to the game and the idea that you you established that, oh, I should have created better boundaries with this person. And then talking the next day to the kids, I think it's good to have boundaries for ourselves also. When we lean into something that's uncomfortable, it's it's a difficulty. It's, as you said, our hands are sweating. Why am I feeling, you know, a certain way? I think it's good to also already have decided I will act a certain way or I won't act a certain way. It creates a place for you to operate out of from to then outwardly say, you know what, I own it, but I'm not going to be treated like that. And that was the, you're right. I love that, Darren, because that was the final discovery of, it was talking to my trainer the next day and when he's like, that's not on you to take all that on. Like, right, that that was it. And that's when I had the realization of, oh my gosh, I didn't create a boundary for myself. I need to recognize that so in the future, I can recognize it in the moment. So that's why I love this conversation. I mean, this just happened to be a fluke situation that happened two days Mm. ago that allowed us, you know, allowed as an example in this conversation because it's sort of uh, what you were saying, Vicky. I'm like, oh man, there we are as an adult. I can feel that. That's an example of a one-on-one. What are the kind of difficulties where this can show itself that maybe it's not a one-on-one with a person, but it's a life difficulty? You know, it's interesting. I I mentioned earlier as I was preparing for the show, it's, there are some words that I mentioned that are hard to say, divorce you know, unemployment. And those are hard to step into because they have profound effect on our own lives, our ability to provide for ourselves or our families, you know, health issues that come up. And I find that increasingly difficult, especially if people depend on you. And yet when you hear hear the word cancer or leukemia, or you could name it, to step in, experience, investigate it, you really have to be at a point where you say, whatever it is, I'm going to own it may not be best friends, but I'm going to seek this out, understand it, and create a path forward. There's tons of things you could think of, you know, those personal issues that come to us that truly stop us in our tracks. Some things are hard to own, some circumstances are hard to own, but emotions can be very hard to handle in those times. Personally, I'll give you the 30-second version, is that at 23, I 
born with a heart problem was told I had 18 months. I needed a heart lung transplant or you're not going to see your 25th birthday was the, was the gist. And I ended up spending close to a year in hospital on a transplant waiting list. The time that it took to get to a place of, okay, this is what it is and I need to find a new normal and I need to live through this. Well, not ever, as you said, it's never your best friend. I don't think, you know, I've heard mm-hmm. people say I wouldn't trade it for the world. I think that's a lovely sentiment, but I, I would <laughs> trade it in a heartbeat. Uh, There's a pun but, there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, but, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but getting to the place of being able to accept there was so, then the learning and the transformation and all of the positive things that did come from it were able to happen. And they weren't able to happen until that wall came down and the acceptance happened. And again, that's about that we all need a different amount of time to do that. And the shorter you can make it, the better it is. And, and Mark, what I love about what you just said, there's nobody listening, nobody on this, on, on this call today who hasn't had those words spoken at some point. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this surprise that we find, this gift that you know, dwells within the conflict, the difficulty, whatever you want to call it. When you learn that that's there and it will profoundly and forever change the way you perceive, act, plan, live, even to have a more mindful existence, a more grateful existence, it becomes easier, at least to me, to walk into these difficulties and say, I'm going to go looking for the gift because I don't need it to find me. I've, you know, I will do whatever I have to do to get through it, but I'm going to go looking for it because when I find it, it's going to be my companion throughout the journey. And I know it's there to begin with, right? I know. Yeah, it's there from the very outset. There's something in this for me. I'm going to own it from the beginning. Love that. Yeah, that's great. I think that, you know, the thing that we're all saying is, you know, again, right, it, it takes a certain level of willingness, right, to be curious, to slow down, mm-hmm. right, to, right, befriend on some level, whatever that pain is. And, you know, I'm thinking back of when my mom had dementia and Alzheimer's and what it was like to care for her. And she had it for 10 years. And so it wasn't, you know, something that was, you know, here today, gone tomorrow, right? It's kind of like something that impacts our lives. And so every moment it was from the moment when I was, you know, was able to live with her for a little while and took care of her to the moment we had to decide for her to go into assisted living and have someone else care for her. Had to, you know, owning my own place of all the guilt, all the shame. Why can't I just take care of her? I'm a bad daughter, right? All of those things. And and having to, again, just befriend all of those thoughts and all of those feelings. And so to be able also to transform, like where's the place of transformation where healing can occur for, for me in that moment as I am brushing her hair or giving her a bath or, you know, feeling that place where it's, it's such, there's such pain and there's such sweetness and there's all of these mixed feelings and emotions that are all thrown together. And again, also just being able to slow it down enough to acknowledge all of that, right? To acknowledge the heartbreak, to acknowledge the pain of it, um, to, to be in connection with the place where I'm also growing old, right? So it's like it all gets mixed. And it's, I think that's when we talk about what's the gift of you know, conflict or difficult situations. It's again, it's like, wow, there's a level of closeness we can get that again, isn't you know, just with the other person, but it's a closeness with even within myself and intimacy around myself and who I am, what I react to, what my heart needs, what my being needs to feel nurtured, nourished, cared for. 
And do you know one thing too, Vicky, and I don't mean to interrupt you, there's a certain element of instant community when we go through something like this. Mm-hmm. You know, years ago, I was so proud. I bought this green truck and drove it off the lot. On the way home, I saw three like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, until you deal with death, loss, cancer, you can name whatever word fits. Suddenly you realize people around you who've never said a word, never communicated. It could even be struggling with anger. It could be whatever it is. Suddenly you realize not only am I not alone, that I already have people right around me that I see regularly who probably deal with or have dealt with the same thing. I love that idea of re and to find out you've got to be willing to be vulnerable enough to share that, right? You have to be vulnerable enough to share what you're going through. So community can find you, right? Otherwise they, no one knows you're going through it. So they would, I I give an example of, I know people that have had miscarriages and then I meet a new person who's had miscarriage and you tell them, well, geez, like 80% of the people I know that have had children have had miscarriages, but nobody talks about it till after, Mm -hmm. They're the, they're the closest friend does, then they tell that person. So everybody feels isolated when they go through it, uh, even mm. though many, many couples have gone through that. So I think there's you made a really important point there, Darren, of part of this is being vulnerable enough to be able to say out loud what is happening, not as a way to use it for attention, but as connection, uh, which mm-hmm. is so important. And, and I think a big part of everything we're discussing here relies a little bit on past confidence. Like the first time you do Mm. this, the first time you lean in and you get to find the gift. And once you've done that once in your life, you do understand you should remember or be able to, there's going to be a gift here. There's a gift here right now. I just got to find it. There's a gift here. But it often takes the first time, right? The first time of finding the gift. And then you realize there's gifts ahead when this happens again. But man, the, until you do it the first time, you you don't realize there's a gift. You just think, how me? Why me? How could this happen? Mm-hmm. But once yep. you've had one time happen, you're like, okay, you know, speaker's joke. Here's a new signature story for the stage. Right. One of the most <laughs> awful things happen. Right. But why do we joke about that? Because we've gone through something that turned into that before. And so yeah. we that's our way of recognizing, all right, there's something here. But we've got, this is an example where mindfulness, sometimes our history can give us a confidence that can help our mindfulness of, mm-hmm. hey, based on the past, I know the current presence I'm in, something's here, something's here. So it's not complete let go of the past, but be present in the moment with the gifts of the past. The piece of community is super important. And again, I think that's where a lot of times when we're talking about feelings or these kind of difficult issues or feelings, conflicts, is again, as kids, we're taught to just go over there and separate it, go sit by yourself and work it out on your own. The, so the the whole history about us being isolated, we're taught that. We're taught that in our culture. And so to talk about it in community, be vulnerable, be willing to risk to tell another person, right? Like that creates that connection, right? And it's like, you know, the work you do in schools, Mike, and the work, you know, we do in schools, it's it's really teaching entire school culture and community that we don't have to do it alone, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, how many of you feel scared when something like this happens? And every kid's hand goes up. Right in that moment, something's getting validated. They're not alone. Oh, someone else feels that way. And- well, and to that point, Vicki, I mean, and like Mike, I'm in high schools all the time. And, and I think the Facebook world has made that worse because... Mm-hmm. Teens are taught by each other. They share their airbrushed life, right? They share the the best one percent of their life with the world. And the problem with that is when they look around and compare their real life to somebody else's one percent life, it always looks horrible. The perception is, well, 
you know, everybody else is doing fine and I'm the only one who's got anorexia or is, you know, unwell or is dealing with cancer or is dealing with whatever. I'm the only one who doesn't feel, you know, proud of myself or doesn't feel like I want to get up in the morning or, and so that isolation, as you, as you said so well, is a barrier to the community that would ultimately help people get to a place of healing. And that that is so important is finding a way to get to that community. And, you know, it's interesting, Mark, you bring up that's true that high school is learning that and elementary school kids are learning that nowadays. It's recognizing how many times have we all as adults seen somebody on Facebook open up from a place of vulnerability in a healthy way, in a safe way, and the world come to them. And the world come mm-hmm. to support them. Uh, yeah. And so it is understanding. I think it's important for all of us to remember that we a lot of times people are sharing the 1%. But man, the few times people share the other end of the 1%, like the other extreme mm-hmm. of the spectrum, wow, the love that you've seen. And I think we forget that. The love that you we get to see when people are willing to do that. So be willing in not a way that's inappropriate, right? Or unhealthy for attention, but mm-hmm. for connection and community can be incredibly mm-hmm. powerful. And the the three of you have created an awesome connection and created a community here of conversation that's been fantastic. So I want to thank each of you for today's show. What books have each of you read that you felt really helped with this, with really diving into the center of that difficulty? I love anything by Pema Chodron. So like her book, When Things Fall Apart. Also, I follow, I'm a big fan of Byron Katie. I mean, a lot of things that we've been talking about, she also talks about, including that all, you know, we all have all of these feelings. It's not just, I, I, if I'm sad, I'm not the only one who's sad. Sadness is global. Uh, lots of people feel sad. So those two resources, I love a lot. Yeah, my favorite is called The Return of the Prodigal Son which has a bit of a religious undertone to it, but it could also be read by in a very secular way. And it's a pretty powerful book about kind of self-acceptance and, and understanding our own perhaps lack of self-acceptance and how to find a little more of it. This has been a great conversation. And so I want to thank each of you for everyone listening right now. So you can go to everydaymindfulnessshow.com and find these brilliant people. You're looking for Darren Tipton from Project Humanity, Mark Black, Helping People Thrive, and Vicki Abadesco from Soul Shop. Remember, you can check out all of them at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And until next time, may you enjoy everyday mindfulness in your life. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.